Praise the Lord, everybody. We thank the Lord for you being with us this morning. We're looking forward to sharing a part two of a love affair. We are excited about the love that God has for us, or at least we should be. Some of us um, don't understand why God could love someone like us and struggle with that. I said something last week that I've received some questions about, and that's related to how we complete God. We've been talking out of the book of Genesis about the servant that was sent to find the bride for Isaac. Abraham sent his servant. We left off dealing with kind of his plan and purpose and how that plan uh, was kind of a precursor to what God is doing and how we play in that role, our exact uh, kind of valued position to Christ uh, as any bride would be the, the groom loves the bride that is the reason uh, that the groom proposes and gets married and the bride loves the groom that's the reason that she goes down the aisle ages in a lifelong relationship it's a wonderful thing to see this played out in the scripture as it kind of gives us a visualization of God's plan of redemption for us and how it's all based on his love. How amazing that is because if it was based just on us uh, or things that we do or say or how much class, you know, uh, what class we're in in society or any of these other things, you know, kind of based on our merit, none of us were qualified. But thanks be to God that we are qualified by the love of God as demonstrated in his plan of redemption, the re washing and regeneration of his shed blood at Calvary to redeem us or to call us back into right standing with him. We are standing now in, in a right standing and according to the word, we're seated in Christ at the right hand of God. So we're actually not just in the throne room, but we are seated in, in, in the seat right next to God himself. And that's an amazing thing when you think about it, because it's not based on anything that we have done or anything that we can do to earn this. It's something because he loves us so much, he just gave it to us freely. And it's awesome. And we had left off talking about this servant and what this servant uh, was in the process of doing. And I want to pick right back up there. And, and again, I, I, I try not to hold you long on Sunday. I just want to um, impart something into your spirit to allow you to see the love of God, uh, recognize uh, what he has already done for you, which really, at the end of the day, limits what you need to do in the sense of a re you know, your, your job is to receive what he has already given. You don't have to... Um, conjure up something on your own or uh, develop some deep theological plan or strategy because God has already done it for the foundation of the world. For the foundation of the world, he saw you. And we're going to kind of talk about that uh, here briefly this morning. And we, again, we left off with the servant and, and the servant, uh, kind of what the servant was to the bride as uh, the servant who was Eliezer, uh, El meaning God and Yezer uh, being sent. So he is sent by God 
to find this bride. And we likened Eliezer to the Holy Spirit. And uh, the amazing thing is, is, this is what the Holy Spirit is to us. And uh, we identified two other characteristics last week. So if you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back to it. Um, it's, it's on the website and take a listen to what God was saying. I want to pick up with point three um, today in relationship to the servant that was sent out to find uh, the bride. So we understand that he didn't have to just convince her, but he was going to be a counselor uh, after she was convinced. So after the servant convinced her, last week the last thing I told you was the servant's responsibility was to share all um, the benefits that were connected to being uh, in a marriage with uh, Isaac. In the same sense, he was kind of uh, the convincer for the bride who did not know Isaac at all. Remember, um, as the story goes, he was sent out and found her. She had never seen nor met uh, Isaac, but his job was to bring back a wife, not a woman for a trial, not a girlfriend, but a wife. And we talked about that last week as well. But um, he, after he convinces her, he's going to have to counsel, counsel her or prepare her for what's to come. And if you look in verse 61 of uh, Genesis 24, which is the base scripture for our study, um, you'll find uh, that it says, And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man and the servant, took Rebekah and went his way. Now in verse 58, you'll see that Rebekah makes up her mind uh, that she's going to go with him after she has been convinced. And it says there in 24 and 58, And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. So there was a question posed by the servant to Rebekah after he had done everything that he could to convince Rebekah that this was the uh, the right option or the best option uh, that she could uh, be engaged in, sharing with her all the wealth of Abraham and then Isaac's connection to that wealth. Um, in the in the same way, he wasn't going to beat her over the head and drag her off to be with Isaac. The choice was still hers. Just like today, the Holy Spirit tells you everything about God and then Jesus' connection to it, and you have to decide. So the decision really is yours. You're not uh, made to love God. God loves you whether you love him or not. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you before you made a decision. Now, God knows what your decision is because he sits outside of time and he knows everything from the end to the beginning, from the beginning to the end, from the middle out, from the uh, edges in, the top to the bottom. He knows it all. He knows what, exactly what's going to happen. And regardless of the fact that not everyone is going to choose God, he still loved us so much, all of humanity, that he sent his son to redeem us to be back with him that we might be in right standing. And because we are in right standing, we might be the fulfillment of, uh, of his son, which is the marriage feast. So we understand that 
Abraham sent uh, Eliezer to find this uh, bride. So this bride, because he gave her some, he gave him some specific things to look for. So this tells us that the bride has been divinely uh, chosen, but the bride has to make up their own mind. And that's wonderful when you think about it. The choice is never removed from you. You have the choice. You have the final say as to whether or not you're going to walk down the aisle with Jesus or not. Now, you know, some people might be thinking that they can't understand this idea of predetermination or being foreordained uh, of, of God or even what truly um, is the free will of man. This is uh, a topic that has been in earthen debate and circles of man's philosophy and, and teaching and uh, wisdom for uh as long as I can remember, and it definitely predates me, going back to the days of Socrates and even before, this idea, does man really have free will? Does man really have uh, the ability to make a choice? Or the idea of having control over one's destiny. Do we really have control, or are we just puppets playing out something that has been predestined for us? And I know... It begins to be, you know, a struggle, and I can spend hours debating this with uh, people that may have an opposite view, but I want you to understand that you have been chosen by God. Regardless of whether you choose him, he chose you, just like you are. How amazing is that? He picked you chose you, predestined you to be with him for an eternity. Right where you are, broken. Sometimes you look at yourself and you see the ugliness that is in you. May be struggling with some sin. May be struggling with um, some failures in life. And God still, seeing all of that, chose you. How do I know? Because he sent his son to die for you. That's going to be a, a, a current theme. I, I just don't have the time to really explain um, the depths of the power of your choice. And we had talked, we've talked about that in the past, but let me move on. Uh, there has to be a bride. And in, and in this uh, story, we see that Rebecca is the bride. And the bride... Um, made up in her heart and mind that she was going to go with the one that was sent. It was in the heart and mind uh, of the father to find her. But she decides. She makes up in her own mind. She is the one that says, I will go. And then when she goes, she goes with a man who has essentially become her companion. He's her counselor. You see, his job is wasn't to finish uh, when she said, you know, I will go. His job wasn't done at the point that she decided to go, that he convinced her, hey, this is the best choice to make. And she decides, okay, I'm going to go. That his job wasn't done. His job wasn't just to uh, travel her back or journey with her back to protect her. Uh, only her, his job was to counsel her. So he has to teach her more and more about Isaac. 
His job now is to get her to see Isaac. See, this is what the Holy Spirit does to us. If you turn with me to John, the 16th chapter, for just a moment, we can begin reading in verse 12. It says, um, it says something that's really important, and, and I really, you know, hope that you kind of get a hold of this, um, because this is something that really can bless your heart. And it's something that's very important. Um, you know, Jesus said, search the scriptures for these are they which testify of me. Search the Old Testament and find me in the Old Testament. Jesus wouldn't have uh, told us to do that if there had not been a blessing um, in it to our lives. We can't discount the old or uh, just focus on the new. All of it points to Jesus. But let's go to John 16 and verse 12. And I want you to see what the Holy Spirit has to say. It says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. But then notice that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, is, he, you know, the heavenly helper, the one that was sent to be with us, it goes on to say, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. You see, the Holy Spirit has become Rebecca's guide, just like Eliezer was uh, the guy. The Holy Spirit has become our guide, just like uh, Eliezer was Rebecca's guide. He's going to guide uh, Rebecca into all truth about Isaac as the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth about Jesus. And he's not going to talk of himself. He's only going to talk of Jesus in the case of the Holy Ghost. Or Eliezer is not going to talk about himself, but only about Isaac. He's going to be... Um, he, he's not gonna, going to be the originator of what he says. Uh, it goes on to say, But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. It's John sixteen twelve through 15 Now be very careful. Abraham was rich, and the Bible says that Abraham gave all that he had to his son, right? But now, I want you to watch something. See this. All that the son has is in the hands of the Spirit. All that the son has has been placed in the hands. I want you to look at this again in verse 15. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. You see, the Father's riches belong to the Son, and the Son's riches are in the hands of the Spirit. That's the reason that we're going to find uh, uh, out that when the this, this servant, if, if you continue to read in, in Genesis 24, uh, when he met Rebecca, the first thing he did was to put earrings on her. He put bracelets on her. You see, he, he went with 10 camel loads of treasure. I mean, he's just weighted down. He's loaded down. He's got it all. And he keeps giving her these nuggets. He keeps giving her these gems. He, he keeps giving her these rubies, these diamonds, and these uh, ornaments. He, he's loading her with all of these things. He just keeps giving her treasure after treasure after treasure, and she's receiving these things. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. He doesn't glorify himself. All he talks about is Jesus. So this Eliezer, he didn't speak about himself. He didn't say, look what a good servant I am. Or he says, 
Uh, Isaac is so handsome. Isaac is so kind. Isaac is so rich. Isaac is, is so wise. Isaac has a marvelous future. All of the hopes of the Father are in this one named Isaac. Today, we hear a lot about the Holy Spirit, and there are a lot of people talking about the Holy Spirit who don't quite understand the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the deep work that the Holy Spirit is doing and has done in my own heart and life, but I want to say this with all reverence, and I hope that you'll understand what I'm about to say. You have to be aware of any movement that has the Holy Spirit for a figurehead. There are a lot of movements today that have the Holy Spirit as only a figurehead. There are some assemblies and some people and some churches and some denominations and some groups that seem today to emphasize the Holy Spirit more than they emphasize the Son. And this is a problem because everything that God has done has been done to glorify the Son. Now, the Holy Spirit is here to glorify the Son. And when you see the Holy Spirit, you do not see him leading the parade, but you see him standing on the sideline pointing to Jesus and saying, there is God's Son. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, he doesn't speak of himself. That does not mean that uh, he is any less than God or any less than the Son, but his divine office his divine work is not to speak of himself or to be the originator of his own thoughts, but he is the heavenly helper sent to point out, to glorify the heavenly Isaac, which is Jesus. It is his job to seek a bride for his son, Jesus. And thank God that he's doing it as he's speaking to you, counseling you, convincing you, leading you now. And so he was her counselor. He was telling her over and over and over again more about Isaac. And the Holy Spirit, after he has become your convincer, wants to become your counselor. He wants to teach you all things. He wants you to, to learn new truths. He wants you to uh, put some new nuggets into your heart that you might learn more and more about Jesus. He wants to point you to Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to understand who Jesus is, to connect you to the work of Christ so that you can see who you are in him. Some people would say the time of the Holy Spirit is past, that the Holy Spirit is not necessary or needed, but the, the Holy Spirit is vitally needed because the bride has not been joined to the groom. The, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit is necessary, excuse me, until the day that we are married to Christ, to that day that we are celebrating our marriage feast in heaven. Now, the third thing I want you to notice about uh, him is that he is also a comforter. Verse 61 says that uh, he went with her, and also, if you look, you'll, you'll see that it says, and they rode upon the camels, Genesis 24 and 61. Now, what camels are these? If you look in verse 10, uh, you'll see that there were 10 of them. You see, when the servant started out, the Bible says that Abraham said to him, look, you've got one job, don't fail. Go bring me a bride for my son. And then the Bible says that this servant was just the steward over everything that Abraham had. All of the treasures of Abraham are placed in his hands, and he takes 10 camels. 10 in the Bible is the number of completeness. So he takes 10 camels, and these camels are groaning with treasure. 
all of the provisions, everything that uh, they would need are loaded on these camels. And when Eliezer starts back with Rebekah, he starts back with 10 camel loads of provision and an entourage of servants. And the point of the matter is this. He is there to provide for her. He is there to meet her every need. The Spirit himself helpeth our infirmities. You'll find that in the book of Romans, the 8th chapter and the 26th verse. The Spirit himself helpeth our infirmities. Now, I can imagine as they're riding along there on these you know, camels going back to meet Isaac, it, it was a long, hot, dusty uh, a journey. Sure, there were some disappointments. Sure, there were some times when she was tired, and I'm sure there were times when fear would come and uh, issues would arise on her journey back. Perhaps her chin would quiver a little bit. Perhaps uh, he, you know, Isaac would, or uh, Eliezer would see a tear in the corner of her eye as she thought about her father and her mother and the houses and the land and the community that she had now forsaken to leave with Eliezer to go back to Isaac. Perhaps she wondered, is there really an Isaac? I mean, is he really going to be as handsome as this man says? Will he really love me like this man says? Or have I just been fooled? Has somebody misrepresented the facts to me? You know, Eliezer's wise. He looked over her and he sees her. He reached down into that basket of jewels during this journey that he'd have and he'd bring out some necklace to put it around her neck to say, this is from Isaac. He just wants you to have it. He's so wonderful. You'll love him so much. All along the road, all along the way, he would be dropping jewels of grace and glory into her heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you on our journey to see our groom. You see, he's the convincer, yes, he is. And he's the counselor. He teaches us all things about the Son. And he is also our comforter. Turn to John 14, and I want you to see here, uh, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says something uh, very important. He says, And I will pray the Father that he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's John 14, 16 through 18. And who is the Holy Spirit? He is the vice regent of Jesus. He is the other Jesus. He is the representative of Jesus. He is the one who makes Jesus real to us. And he brings comfort and consolation and the grace of our Lord. He brings and represents the heart of Jesus for us. And so we see that there's a program for the Spirit of God to teach us all things about the Son, to remind us in this journey, to empower us to understand, to give us the grace that far succeed, or uh, exceeds even really our ability to grasp. Now, I want to come to the close of this very simple message having a love affair with God, having a love affair with Jesus. I want, I want to go back, to, I want you to go back with me now just to, Gen, to Genesis 24 and see the presentation of the groom. Notice what uh, the bride is going, is going now to meet the, the, groom, the groom. Isaac is a man that she had never seen before, and the Bible says, whom having not seen, she loved, 
and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's 1 Peter 1 and 8. So the scene is at the end of the day. I begin reading in verse 63 here in Genesis uh, 24, and it says, And Isaac went out to mediate, or to meditate rather, in the field at the uh, eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her head, her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's uh, Sarah's tent, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Genesis 24, 63 through uh, 67. Now, I want you to get the scene now. Here is the picture. The sun's westering in the sky. It's setting. Here's Isaac picturing the heavenly bridegroom. He's out at the close of the day. He's in the edge of a field. He's gone out. And the Bible says he's in deep thought. He's meditating. What do you think he's thinking about? What do you think is on his mind? Well, when he knows that the servant has gone to get him a bride, I think it's pretty, pretty evident. He's thinking about what bride is to come. I'll tell you what he's thinking about. He's thinking about his bride. He's thinking about the one that he loves. He's waiting to see her. He's waiting to hold her. He's waiting to embrace her. He's waiting to give her the fullness of who he is. And there she, there she is. She's coming. And he can see her. And what do you think that she's thinking about? It's been a long, hot trip. And he's been, she's been hearing all about Isaac. And then suddenly, here at the end of the day, at the end of time, there, while the sun is setting, she sees him standing there. Now notice, he can't go to her. He can't go to where she is. For the father said, she was to be brought back to where he is. And it's very, very plain. You can study it if you want. There's something important here. There's something that uh, is being revealed here in Scripture. I, I don't have enough time left to get into this like I want. So I'm just going to be able to, uh, to retrace some of my steps. But if you read chapter, uh, verses 7 and 8, you'll find that Abraham said to the servant, Now, don't you take my son back there to get the bride. You bring a bride for my son. That's what he said. Don't you take my son there. You bring her to him. And the bride had to come to him. And they lived happily ever after. So what does that remind you of? What do you think is happening here? What, what do you think is being represented here? Doesn't it remind you? of the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, where it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. You see, Jesus comes to the edge of the field, right out there in space. And then we, who are from his old world, from the old land, are caught up to meet our heavenly Isaac, to meet him in the air. And there we will meet our Lord. 
And there in the skies will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this thing called our Christian faith will reach its consummation when faith turns to sight, when hope turns to reality, and when love goes on and on for an eternity. He's standing there at the edge, at the end of the day, waiting for us. The question that really is posed is, will you respond? The Holy Spirit has been let loose to tell you, to convince you of the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is undeniable and is demonstrated in the fact as real love is, it's not determinant on what you do. You see, there are going to be those that reject Christ. They're going to reject the love of Christ. But that does not mean because you've rejected it that somehow the love of Christ wasn't real. The love of Christ today is real. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to tell you all about it so that you can be embraced by it so that you can be comforted by it, so that you can live in eternity with God. It's important that we understand Jesus laid his life down while we were yet sinners. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you've been listening to me these last two weeks and, and we're talking about this uh, kind of picture of what's happening now as has been detailed in scripture by what happened uh, with Isaac and Rebecca. It's important that you understand. Jesus loves you. He demonstrates his love for you in that while you were in sin, he laid his life down for you to have a way out of sin. How amazing is that? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for the Father to say, it's time. The Holy Spirit has been sent to work to get you to the place where you can receive. Saints of God, it's time. The book of Thessalonians shows us there's coming a day when the groom is going to be standing in the heavens and we're going to be called up to be where he is. Don't you want to be in that day? I know that this road of life has been fraught with all kinds of things, especially in this year. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is standing there with his love, ready to love you like you've never been loved before, to give you things no one else can give you, to bless you in ways your mind cannot even begin to fathom. 
Will you choose to be with him? You have an opportunity right now. If you feel the tugging of the messenger of God, the Holy Ghost on you right now, you feel this urge or this kind of curiosity. You've been enthralled by some of the things that have been shared. Or your spirit is leaping and you don't really understand why. This is your opportunity right now to say, you know something? I hear you. And I want to come to know who Jesus is. I want to share in this love that he has for me. This love that I don't deserve, but he gave it anyway. And his love is so powerful that it can remove me from my current condition and put me in a better one. If you want to understand and feel and be embraced by that kind of love, all you need to do right now, Jesus, I, I hear you. I receive this love that you have for me. I accept who you are, the Son of God. I accept that you laid your life down for me, that your love is demonstrated in the fact that you laid your life down for me, that I can't make me right, but I accept that because of what you did, you made me right. I believe in you. I receive you. I want to know who you are. Forgive me and receive me. And right now, he'll receive you. Fill me, Father, with the precious gift of your Holy Spirit to counsel me, to comfort me, to convince me when I start thinking that things were better where I was, or I start reminiscing or missing, thinking that I'm missing some things. Fill me with this spirit of truth that speaks of you. I receive it now. The name of Jesus. Then I want you to go find a church. Not just any church. But a church that speaks of the love and the grace of our Lord. A place that will fill you with great understanding and increasing you great expectation of God. Not one that's going to teach you religion, but one that's going to teach you relationship. Not one that's going to give you rules and regulations to follow, but ones that point you to who Christ is in you. Because I believe if you let Christ really live in you, you won't have to tell me what to do. I won't have to have a checkoff, a checkoff list of right and wrong. But the very love of God embraced in my love of him will guide me in all things. And I will just do what is right because I love him and I want to honor him because I've begun to understand him, because I've been taught 
who he is by the gift that he has given. He has adorned us with a jewel called the Holy Ghost. Wear that jewel today and be reminded of who Christ is. If you've done these things that I've said in this past couple of moments, you are the redeemed of the Lord. Find a church that will feed you. Until then, we are here. Reach out to us. Email, telephone. Watch our sermons. Watch our services. And join with us until you can find a place to be. But I encourage you, go to somewhere where you can sit down with the pastor. You can talk with them. Bare your heart. Not worrying about condemnation. But just trying to gain understanding. So that you can see who Christ has made you. Over what you've seen of yourself. For however long that you've lived without it. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. Have a wonderful Sunday. Know that we're praying for you, that we love you, but God loves you best. <laughs>